This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and this is Gigi Wellpaid, the show that talks about all things video games. This week, we're going to have a look at Apple Arcade, Apple's subscription-based video game service that's available on most of their devices. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Daryl Ong and Dashrin Yohan. Alright, let's kick things off with a story involving Sony and their old PS stores. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, Sony released a statement saying that they'll close their PS3, PS Vita and PSP stores this summer. And fans and even developers were not really happy with this move, raising points about game preservation and the potential impact of encouraging more emulators to be made later down in the future. Uh, well, it seems that Sony has heard our concerns and has backtracked their decision. Nice. In a post on the PlayStation blog, Jim Ryan, president of the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, said that, and I quote, upon further reflection, it's clear that we made the wrong decision. So today I'm happy to say that we will be keeping the PlayStation Store operational for PS3 and PS Vita devices. Definitely good news. However, the PSP Store, which was last supported in 2014, will still be closed on the 2nd of July 2021 as planned. And according to Jim Ryan, the initial decision to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita was due to a number of factors including commerce support challenges for older devices and their inten- intention to focus more resources on newer devices. Yeah, but because of passionate responses from gamers, they've decided to keep these stores open. I guess a win for fans who own these old consoles to continue playing and make purchases on these old platforms. Definitely good news. And moving on, some bigger news for Overwatch fans out there. Game director and VP of Blizzard Entertainment, Jeff Kaplan, has left the company. And for those out there who are not familiar with Jeff, he's literally the face of the game, constantly appearing in video uh, videos, giving developers updates to fans. Kaplan joined Blizzard in 2002 and had a role with Warcraft 3 before joining the WoW development team and then later on Overwatch. Yes, and the team-based multiplayer shooter was released in 2016 and was a huge success leading to the announcement of Overwatch 2 in 2019. That's right. Kaplan was again at the front and center for the game showcase at the recent BlitzCon line a couple of months ago, teasing out the game's development and new features. But nothing lasts forever, it seems. And last week, Blizzard announced that Kaplan will be leaving the company. Another Blizzard and Overwatch veteran, Aaron Keller, will be replacing him as the game director moving forward. That's right. Here's an open letter to fans that Kaplan wrote in a Blizzard statement. And I quote, I am leaving Blizzard Entertainment after 19 amazing years. It was truly an honour for a lifetime to have the opportunity to create worlds and heroes for such a passionate audience. I want to express my deep appreciation to everyone at Blizzard who supported our games, our games team and our players. But I want to say a special thanks to the wonderful game developers that have shared the journey of creation with me. Never accept the world as it appears to be, always there to see it for what it could be. I hope you do the same. GG Jeffrey Kaplan. I like how he signs off there. GG. <laughs> yes. Um, but how are Overwatch fans reacting to this news? So to find that out, Hanif Baradin speaks to BFM producer and longtime Overwatch fan, Kelvin Yi. Man, I was so shocked because like it's it's something that was quite unexpected and it's also something that you've never really heard murmurings about, right? Which is quite 
rare, I think, in the games industry. If some major name is set to leave or like there are people that are about to be fired or something, there's usually already um, things going into the news website saying, hey, this team is thinking of leaving or like there's massive retrenchment at X company. So Jeff's departure was quite sudden and really out of the blue and so so like very much in the middle of Overwatch 2, right? Which we can't really expect to come out anytime soon. Um, but I guess it, because of that, I think it also leaves like, a lot of room for speculation as to like, oh, okay, what's going to happen to Overwatch 2 now? What's going to happen to this? Because like you don't suddenly leave like a huge project of the blue, right? Exactly, yeah. And I think because he's a, he's a very instrumental figure in, in the development of Overwatch and Overwatch 2, right? I think it came as a surprise. And, and you're right. I think like for me, uh, I don't want to be mischievous, but because the timing is a bit odd, uh, did you hear anything, I won't say malicious, but anything weird regarding his departure? You know, I have a few ideas, but I don't think it's necessarily good to say them <laughs> like right now, simply because, uh, you know, looking at most of the farewell posts that Jeff has written on Twitter, there's a short thread, and also on the uh, Reddit community, r slash Overwatch, you know, he's written a post there as well saying, you know, thank you so much, and you know, it really doesn't leave any room to say like why he, he left. It doesn't have any of those suggestions as to why he's chosen to leave. But like, a lot of the messages from him have been quite positive in that the staff and the people working on Overwatch right now need your support. So it doesn't seem, I don't know, do I want to say respectful of the man to like go into a place where, oh, you know, maybe he's left because there's pressure from up top. You know, there's some some of the, the squeezes coming from their management and maybe their shareholders to not be so free and easy with Overwatch as they have done in the past, right? Because Overwatch is this game that continues to give and give and give. You know, you buy the game once and you get this whole load of free content. You know, I'm not sure where Overwatch 2 is necessarily going to hit. Uh, there's always a lot of commercial pressure for a lot of companies to um, give and give and, uh, not to give, like to sell and sell and sell rather than give and give and give and to continue developing the content. Um, I think... Save for that, you know, I, I don't think there's much for me to say by, by way of that. But and, and again, you know, there's really not been much just by way of that. There hasn't been much in terms of like staff coming out to say anything um, or at least not in any of the channels I've been surfing. Nothing has come out to really like try to paint like a darker picture as to what might be going on in Blizzard Studios, for example. Yeah, it's a bit interesting to think about it. But you're right. I think I think commenting on the larger scope of things, uh, without actually yeah, speculating on things, it seems like uh, yeah, the Blizz, even Blizzard themselves as a company has gone through a lot of changes, right? I think, uh, being taken over by Activision mm. is perhaps you know one one aspect of it as well. And yeah, there were a lot of uh rumors or murmurings regarding how you know they are looking perhaps to change the trajectory of the company and tra- the trajectory of Overwatch as well to I guess maybe include a lot more. Uh, game affecting uh, microtransactions, right? Rather than just uh, cosmetics for now, right? So it, it it's pretty interesting, like I'm, I'm a bit puzzled with the timing, but at the same time, yeah, yeah, it, this is a pretty big news for Overwatch as a whole, especially considering that Kaplan has a very close relationship with fans, right? Uh, can you perhaps maybe share a bit about that? You know, how, how close is he to fans? You know, he is the face of all or almost all of the developer updates that you see, so. If you appear on a YouTube video or very much anything else that you will see where they will update uh, fans and players as to what's going on with the game, you know, whether it's changes to how they choose to balance it, uh, new character introductions or new maps or new events. It's always Jeff introducing those things and it's very like 
weirdly styled, but also very monotonous way of delivery where that's also become quite, a, I guess, like a, a bit of a staple among fans. So that's quite recognizable. Some in the community also call him um, Papa Jeff, <laughs> you know, among other things. And it's going to be different, I think, without him around because he's been the face and he's built such good rapport with so many of the fan, uh, the game base, uh, sorry, the player base, that him leaving and then now heading into Overwatch 2, you know, what can we expect? You know, do we not, will we not have those sort of, um, similar updates anymore um, in, in the way that Jeff does it but I, I also think maybe it's also being left in like really good hands as well because um, the next person that will be in charge is going to be Aaron Keller. Um, he's also served about almost two decades similar almost two decades similar to Jeff and how long they both have served. I think Jeff is 19 and maybe Aaron is about 18 years so it's it's not necessarily like being left in like unknown or like super, I don't know, super revolution, super weird hands that we can't expect, right? Uh, that we don't know what might be coming next. So, fingers crossed. I think uh, it's it's not going to affect whatever uh, Overwatch and Overwatch Two will be too much. But Jeff, I think as a presence within the community, will be sorely missed. Mm. And speaking of the community, uh, what's the what's the vibe like among the fans regarding the game, uh, especially of Watch Two now that Kaplan has left? Are people optimistic or are they a bit more cautious now? I can't speak for the whole community because like I don't know that many other people <laughs> that play the game and uh, with me rather I I pretty much play alone most of the time. But uh, from what I can see uh, from the the subreddits that I'm in and also some of the channels, Discord channels I'm I'm in, I think. Very again, I'm very saddened by the by Jeff leaving uh, Blizzard, and with the game, it's always it's always like quite a mixed bag, you know. I think the strongest memory people will have is definitely about the toxic community that Overwatch has, uh, especially if you go into a competitive play, and even if you don't quite go there as well, it tends to also seek and leak into. Uh, the funner, less frill, no frills modes, right? The, the quick play and all that, where you can just like play a game five to ten minutes and you're done. And then there's still people who are very angry at you for playing the game in a way that they think you're wrong at doing. You know what I mean? So um, that that's always been an issue. But I think it's also an issue just with any game, really. Like if you deal with humans, if you deal with humans around the world, where also they're more or less able to be anonymous, then you'll also have this sort of behavior. It's just how the community manages it. Um, but about the game itself, I think Overwatch might, it's, it's, I think might be slowly losing its appeal. And Overwatch 2, to me, I think came out at more or less the right time uh, in, in that they, you know, there was, I felt like there was a dip in interest in the game already. And then suddenly Overwatch 2 came out and then suddenly there was all this hype and they were like thinking of introducing all these things, right? Uh, PvE modes, more focused on that. And then they introduced skill trees. They also introduced like perhaps a development in, the story and the law of the game, which I think to me, that's actually the most fascinating bit about the game, which is uh, being able to tell a story and then you love the characters and you end up wanting to play as the characters. Not all the time, because uh, I think there are different issues with the game as well when it comes to uh, balance. You look at the roster of characters available, there's too much focus on the damage role. And then you, I think out of, uh, there might be over 20 damage uh, role characters versus uh, under 10 in support and under 10 in tank roles as well so hopefully overwatch 2 will be able to solve some of these issues i can't really say much based on some of the early gameplay that i've seen 
um, from streamers and stuff like that because you know it's it's quite hard to say right it's it's still in i want to say early-ish development stages so i don't know if it will solve these these issues but some steps in the right direction now you know if they make the skill tree um and if they make characters all characters purposely overpowered then it makes every single character fun to play then there's less hesitation perhaps on wanting to play characters that only do the most impact which are damage characters and then you also want to play the other characters as well because everyone's like more or less equally overpowered but in different ways i don't know how they all achieve that that's a, a, a tough place to get to but we'll see thank you very much kelvin for sharing your thoughts let's hope things will work out for the sequel and all the best to jeff kaplan up next we have a remake of a classic star wars rpg coming our way soon Dashan. according to reports a remake of star wars knights of the old republic or more affectionately known as kotor in development at asper an updated version of the game has always been talked about but this time around the rumor seems to have more legs yeah this comes after reputable bloomberg reporter jason schreier mentioned the developer's name in the podcast saying that they're currently working on a remake of the game Eurogamer then corroborated the story and heard of Asper's involvement as well. Yeah, and Asper has been working on ports for games like uh, Star Wars uh, Episode 1, Racer and Jedi Outcast. And if the rumours are indeed true, this would be a change in pace for the developers considering that the game would be a full remake essentially instead of a port. Yeah, with EA no longer having sole exclusive rights to the Star Wars IP, the rumour sounds plausible, but let's wait for more concrete details on the matter. Yes, and if this is indeed true, this will be the second RPG series made by BioWare that will be getting the remake or remaster treatment after the Mass Effect trilogy scheduled to come out next month on the 14th. Yeah, last piece of news on the show this week. The Olympics will be getting its virtual counterpart this year in the form of the Olympic Virtual Series. Yes, this is in line with their commitment to, and I quote, encourage the development of virtual sports and further engage with video game communities. Yeah, so the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, has announced that this series will take place ahead of the Tokyo Olympics. And how it will work out is that the IOC will be partnering with five international sports federations to host virtual competitions in games featuring their sports. The Olympic Virtual Series will kick off on the 13th of May and will run till the 23rd of June. Now, among the games that will be featured include Gran Turismo Zwift, uh, Konami's e-baseball powerful Pro Baseball 2020 and Virtual Regatta. These games are tied to their parallel sporting associations and apart from these dates, there are not much information and details yet available to the public. Yes, regardless, despite it not being a medal event or part of the actual Olympic event, it's great to see video games being featured here. For sure, it's a great start. Right, mm-hmm. Daryl and Dashran on the news. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Daryl and Dashran. We're going for a short break. Coming up, our impressions of Apple Arcade. Stay tuned. This is Digi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. This week, I'm joined by Ofnil Ting and Najman Maliki, and together, we're going to be sharing our thoughts on Apple Arcade, a video game subscription service from the tech giant from Cupertino. Apple Arcade can be accessed from most of your Apple devices, from iPhones and iPads to Macs and Apple TVs. The subscription fee is $19.90 a month, but they do offer a one-month free trial for you to check it out. We don't have Xbox Game Pass yet here in Malaysia, so we figure why not check out one of the few subscription-based game services that's available in the country, and that's also more accessible for a lot more people out there. So without further ado, here are our thoughts. 
Um, okay, so for me, I've got a beef. At the start, terus, I've got a beef with Apple Arcade. Okay? Uh, my biggest beef is the discoverability of games in Apple Arcade. I don't know. Okay, so I have a caveat. I want to just put it out front there. I don't have an iPhone, but I do have an iPad. So I played everything on my iPad. It's an old iPad Pro 2017. I, I don't know whether you guys face the same issue on an iPhone because I know Hanif and Auth, you guys played it on your iPhones. But I find it very difficult to find and discover games. Um, so for example, if I say Othniel were to suggest uh, that I play a specific game, it's really hard for me to just discover it within the arcade tab. It's easier for me to search for it. Um, but then, okay, here comes the problem, right? So I, I want to play, I want to try some tower defense games. Um, so I search for like tower defense. Um, there's a lot of tower defense games on literally Play Store. Eh, sorry. App Store. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so there's a lot of tower defense games on App Store, but specifically under Apple Arcade, it's really hard for me to find it. So that's my first B flash. So it's hard to find, but the games that obviously Apple have handpicked, I think they handpicked it. It's good lah. I I love the list of games in Apple Arcade. What do you think, Ross? Well, right off the bat, I also had some beef with it, like Nachman, because. For me, thinking of a subscription, in my head, I thought I'll be getting new games every month, like a mail order subscription kind of thing. But obviously, it's not realistic to expect gaming uh, developers to churn out games every single month. But once I found out, oh, looks like I wouldn't be getting a lot of games. So you only have that whole set of 100 plus games. Uh, you actually have to wait for quite a while. I mean, Apple Arcade just got updated recently with more games, but... After you're done with those set of games, you actually need to wait for quite a bit. So it's almost like paying a monthly fee for a hundred in one kind of... You remember those hundred in one kind of <laughs> game collections? So it, it almost feels like that, but you're paying every month. So that was my issue number one. Uh, issue number two that I had with it is that uh, I didn't have enough space in my phone, I realized. But that's on me. <laughs> but I think, I think to be fair to, to Apple as well, they are adding new games, right? And I think the way they work is that they will work with developers who actually have their games already on uh, the App Store and then they'll just like, I think they'll pay them or something. It's much like how Netflix acquire shows, I believe. And I do see like, coming soon games that they've put out in the arcade section. So I don't know whether that's something that people might want to know. Like, just want to clarify that bit. But I just don't know what I was expecting. Maybe I was expecting too much from <laughs> Apple Arcade. But on your point, Nudge, about the discoverability, I found that same issue as well. And you actually have to scroll all the way to the bottom to see every single game, the list of every single game. And I actually found myself relying more on YouTube recommendations to tell me which games are great over the editor's choice because I don't know, I, I feel like they might be a bit biased towards certain games that they might want to push editorially or whatnot. I think if you if you want to also get good recommendations, I got some from Reddit because Reddit actually have a subreddit for Apple Arcade. So that one memang, you know, it's it's not biased towards any anyone lah. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I feel like, yeah, um, in terms of navigating the, the app, because it doesn't have its own app that it's just a tab I find it quite strange that when you want to search if you want to search you have to go back to the main search tab and then you have to search for games there right and I, I find the same problem as well because I was I was trying to look for a game that I, I want to download 
but I couldn't find it in the tab itself, so I have to manually go to the search tab and and search for it there, and then only find that oh the game is available on Apple Arcade. Yeah, so I guess you guys brought up uh, like good points about whether like you know it's it's a worth it subscription or not. But I guess it's trying to cater to a a hardcore I guess mobile gamers or gamers in general right, that plays a lot of games on their mobile phone, right? So um, I have to admit that I'm not really a huge mobile gamer. Like I don't really play a lot of mobile games, but my reservation towards I guess a subscription based service, especially for games, is that uh, you cannot you don't have so much time, right? So uh, and this applies to even like for future services that might be coming or might not be coming. But you know, for services like Xbox Game Pass, right? I was thinking about it and I was trying to, you know, justify the the cost of paying monthly for games, especially if you're not able to play them all the time, right? Uh, I guess it is kind of like, especially for, I guess for consoles or PCs, it might be more worthwhile considering that um, prices of games on consoles and PCs are pretty expensive, right? So even if you pay monthly as a fee of like, you know, 80 ringgit, for example, it might be worthwhile in the long run. But for this one, um, it, yeah, I, I guess it depends on the kind of games available and whether you play them often enough. But for, for 20 ringgit a month, I guess if you're a mobile gamer and you look for "Quote unquote," the kind of quality games that that that's free from, I guess, ads and also in-app purchases, the kind of offerings that they have, and as, especially the kind of games that they have, uh, it's quite good in terms of the quality. Uh, so I feel like um, the offerings that they have, uh, I played uh, on both my iPad and iPhone, and uh, my iPad is an old iPad, but uh, I face the same problem as of uh, I don't have enough storage there, so I had to play it on my iPhone. The kind of games that are available there are pretty, like, I guess. No, high quality especially they are quote unquote real game it's not like one of those games where you play and then you and then just to kill time they actually have like proper RPGs there that you can play for 20 hours and complete it and things like that so I feel like it's, it's in terms of that it might be worth it if you're a if you're a huge gamer right so for example like if I were to play like a game like Ocean Horn 2 you know it might take me like you know a month to complete so I can perhaps play that and then for next month I'll probably play another game uh, like Sayonara Wild Hearts or like another RPG that will take me give me a bit of time to to finish as well so but you no, know, once I'm done with all these games and if I don't feel like paying for all the other casual games you know I wouldn't probably and then I can, can just cancel my subscription right yeah so so the, I guess from my perspective it's more that lah. Um, the kind of games at least are, are worthwhile I feel uh, but it depends also on the kind of gamer you are and depends on the platform like my my biggest gripe is that the kind of games that uh, that are good to play are the kind of games that would be better to be played on a bigger screen, like like the Ocean Horn and even like Sayonara Wild Hearts. It, it feels a bit limited for you to play these games on an iPhone, even with a controller. You know, it's not as as satisfying compared to like if I were to play it on my iPad lah. But it, it, it's just that my iPad doesn't have enough space, so I had to sort of resort to using my iPhone. Yeah, but I think at the same time they want to bring that big screen experience to a small screen. So I kind of understand why they do it as well because they want to give you something different from the standard arcade-ish kind of Fruit Ninja games. So I understand why they're doing it as well, but I'm pretty sure they are aware of those limitations. If I'm not mistaken, if you have Apple TV, the latest one, you can actually play Ocean Horn on your Apple TV on a big screen. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm appreciative of their effort for even for games like Fantasian, where it feels like like what you said, it it will look better on a big screen. But I appreciate the effort for them, you know, trying to attempt something so epic to scale it down for a smaller screen, you know. I, I do want to also point out that um yep, the price is nineteen ringgit ninety cents per month. But they are currently I don't know currently or maybe memang forever are gonna have this offer of if you want, you can also bundle it up. So there's a bundle 
of I believe 50 gigs of iCloud storage and a couple of other good stuff so you don't only pay that amount just for the Apple Arcade lah so that's not too bad I, I feel especially if you're in the ecosystem yeah but uh, speaking of the pricing I did the exact same calculation with Hanif let's say if Oceanhorn wasn't in Apple Arcade if it was a standalone game uh, let's say if they charge it for 100 ringgit for one game that means if I'm in Apple Arcade and I take about five months to finish that game, I have five months of being able to download other games on top of just Oceanhorn. So I did that whole calculation in my head and I realized that it's a good deal for consumers actually because you you get so many games compared to standalone games and it's ad-free. I think despite that whole initial having a bad vibes from it, but after doing some calculations, I realized hmm, it's a very good deal if you're a gamer or even if you're a casual gamer. Cost-wise, I feel like it's, it's probably yeah one of those things that I guess is pretty suitable for people who do game a lot on their phones and iPad for you to sort of like pay this amount and game, right? So in terms of a model, but I'm not sure whether like what's the take up rate here in Malaysia. So I guess for listeners out there who are I guess paying for Apple Arcade, maybe you can you know perhaps share your thoughts or even like a hardcore mobile gamer because I think the games are still pretty as much as they are all good. It caters more to traditional gamers, I suppose, and not the new generation mobile gamers. Like I might be wrong here, but you know they don't have games like you know you won't be able to get like a Mobile Legends. Uh, ad-free version in this in this Apple Arcade. You won't be able to get like a League of Legends or you won't, uh, Wild Rift in this one. You won't be able to get PUBG or Call of Duty Mobile in this ecosystem, right? So I guess for those kind of games, you still have to somehow, I guess, you know, download it from the App Store rather than on Apple Arcade. So I'm not sure whether it caters to gamers, you know, gamers who are traditionally like console or PC gamers that want that same experience on mobile or it caters to the only hardcore mobile gamers, lah, you know? A good question because I think personally for me, I think Apple Arcade caters to a lot of, this might sound very um, provocative, but for non-hardcore gamers, I guess, it's like for your casual gamers because um, I, yeah, there are some games which looks and feels a lot more like a hardcore gamer kind of game like Ocean Horn or Fantasia. Um, the RPG games are very well fleshed out, but if you look at it, it's it's very much like your usual single player game. Whereas like the list that you mentioned, like PUBG, uh, Fortnite, whatever, those are very co-op or other multiplayer uh, based and very competitive based games where I believe um, people are uh, saying that those are the games played by more quote-unquote hardcore gamers. And I kind of think that hardcore gamers usually don't go for... Whew, iOS lah. Because <laughs> you can't, it's really hard for you to hardcore game on on an iOS device lah. So, um, I think I uh, maybe Apple kind of sees that flow and they kind of know that I'm, I'm not going to go for down the line of like getting you PUBG gamers to play on my iPhone. I'll just get all these pretty Monument Valley type games um, and then serve it to you guys for a fraction of the price because you're doing it on a subscription basis. Yeah, mm, yeah. I think Apple took the arcade word a bit literally yeah. because it felt very arcade-ish. Not only in the gameplay, in the style, where it's like, it's not, like you say, it's not a PUBG or a League of Legends, but it's very cartoony as well, like, like what you would expect at an arcade. Yeah, but I think the presence of games 
that feels a bit more console, more for a serious gamer, maybe like a Hitman or like a Resident Evil. I feel those kind of stuff were missing. I mean, but don't get me wrong. I mean, there were games that I feel that were targeted mainly to adults as well that I guess kids wouldn't download, like maybe like Beyond a Steel Sky. But it feels like Apple was doubling down on the whole arcade-ish and they know they can't win with the console and the PC games. So yeah, for better or worse. Worth noting that I realised that on Apple Arcade, the games, the most adult game, quote-unquote adult game, uh, needs to be catered to 12 plus at least. So meaning that there's no like plus 18 lah. So I mean like that, there won't be any really uh, controversial games on Apple Arcade. So I think, I don't know lah. I mean, they definitely would target kids like us lah like 30 year old kids like us uh, but yeah they, they also want to make sure that kids like the real kids can actually yeah, play I have a well. theory yeah. because um, once you're subscribed to Apple Arcade they remove that verification process where you need face ID or password to download a game so I'm guessing if you get Apple Arcade for your kids your kids can just download any game without any restriction so I guess maybe that's why they did what they did Ooh, also actually that will help you manage your spending a lot better as, as well. As a parent. Because like, yeah, as a parent, like my brother who who have kids who actually downloads a lot of these games, right? Like sometimes they'll just like buy, 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 buy. So <laughs> with Apple Arcade, you can't actually like purchase coins from in-game. You can't actually like purchase games that you can actually pay for. So yeah, saves your pocket yeah, as well. As a parent, a game without in-app purchases, I think it's got sent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, there are not a lot of like adults friendly games right um what about multiplayer because i think some of the games there are available for for you to be played uh with with a friend right uh i didn't get a chance to try it out with another friend uh, i didn't get a chance to try it out with you guys as well but i think of you've you've played it with uh the person as well right well uh, what was it like so i well okay i don't know why i approached apple arcade with a lot of expectations because it's apple and during the first MCO, I didn't really get into Apple Arcade. So just for the purpose of this review, I really like took the time to play a lot of games from Apple Arcade. So my expectations were was fairly high. So uh, there was this game, Taiko Pop Tap. You might have seen it before in arcades. It's, it's a Japanese traditional drumming game where you try to play according to uh, the beat of the music but you're playing the drums. So I really love this game. I mean, there's something so simple about this game that... It works so well on the phone. And when I found out that there's a multiplayer aspect to it, I was pretty excited to play with my friends. But man, it was it was just wonky as hell, man. It, it was laggy, it was choppy, and it wasn't as easy to connect. I'm not quite sure why um, I assume that with Apple Arcade, there will be a separate multiplayer experience for you to link up with other Apple Arcade subscribers. But no, actually, it's up to the game itself. So there's no standardized way of connecting with different players uh, across Apple Arcade, but it's quite messy. Some is using uh, Game Center login, some use their own passcode or numbers that you need to pass to each other. So I felt that it wasn't standardized enough. And we also played um, Sonic Racing, which I felt was a bit disappointing because I downloaded Sonic Racing thinking that it would be a Mario Kart replacement. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that smooth in general, I felt, which was a bit 
of a downer. Is it because of the lag? Maybe it's just the nature of the design, I feel. The user experience could have been better. I think I think the reason behind why Apple don't actually specifically create a space for Apple Arcade people, I guess, is because of the lack of users. Lah. If you don't have enough users, you actually are limiting your your pool to say like the three of us, yeah. for example. And if I'm not playing, then Oz can't play that game multiplayer. So yeah, yeah I think, but that obviously will create problems like what you face. Yeah, so so there were a lot of games where I was just sitting there and waiting for online players to join my room. Oh, that's the yeah, so, that's yeah. so overall, uh, what do you guys think about this service? Like, is this something um, that, especially for you, because I know that you're more of a mobile gamer, will you continue subscribing to Apple Arcade moving forward? Well, when I approached Apple Arcade, I was, I was really expecting it to blow my mind. Well, it did. For a few games, like um, maybe um, Fantasian, which is, I think, a newer one that they released by the creators of Final Fantasy, if I'm not mistaken, that game was just, it was beautiful. It was just, the way it was shot feels very different. It almost feels like a blend of digital and real. It's hard to explain, but it's, it's, it felt very fresh. So when I played that game, I felt like, wow, I, I could see the potential of Apple Arcade because that was the very first game that I tried. Uh, with Apple Arcade, but then it was just downhill from there. <laughs> because you know how Apple always uh, showed off their the, cap- the capabilities of their A14 Bionic chip and how much potential it has, but then they give us things like a remastered version of Cut the Rope. I mean, which, which, I, which I have a lot of memories for as well, don't get me wrong, but I want to see rally racing or... And for sports as well, they only gave us NBA and a few other other sports like like a fake golf game and whatnot. But I just expected more. If you're asking me whether I will continue after next month to be a subscriber, I'm not quite sure myself. Um, personally, for me, I think Apple Arcade uh, is good. It's really, really good. Intro, I guess. For because I've never really been a, a a gamer on mobile, and I I've never really thought about how good it can get. I guess the last quote-unquote good game I played on mobile, or real game I played on mobile was Mobile Legends. It was back when it was um, famous, like a couple of years back. And that felt good, but it didn't look good, right? So when I discovered um, games on Apple Arcade, I, I was literally blown away by the quality of the game. Lah. So like, for example, Samurai Jack, as an RPG game, it really, really feels like a, a proper RPG game that you might play on your console. However, that is not the strength of Apple Arcade. That is just the strength of the game. So when I like really look into it, I realize that if I am, if I, I, I much prefer to pay for that one single game, especially if it's an RPG game and finish that game, it might be like 40 ringgit, might be like 60 ringgit or so, but I don't mind paying that amount because I just paid once and then I might finish it in like five months time. And if I were to like divide that by the price of Apple Arcade, I'd still save money. Yeah, so it's a good like discovery thingy, but I can also discover from YouTube. Lah. So I don't think I'll be subscribing. Lah. Uh, I also like to add a bit from what Najman said. I, I think one of the big, problems for many Apple Arcade subscribers is that if they love Ocean Horn 2 and they want to continually play it, they can't unless they are continually subscribed to Apple Arcade. So if you really love that game, you need to be subscribed. 
you need to stay subscribed to continue to own the game. It's technically like a rental service because you don't own the game or at least it doesn't feel like you actually own the game. Yeah, so, so it's a bit it's a bit of both, right? I think earlier we said that it might be value for money, but now we're saying that it's not value for money because if you're a fan of only one game, then you are paying for essentially like, you know, all the other games as well, the games that you might not be use, playing or you might not be using. So I guess in terms of value, it depends on on how you perceive value. And I think, you know, now that we've been talking about it, I feel like, yeah, maybe it, there is a certain element of casualness to it as well. Like if I'm a hardcore Ocean Horn gamer and I just want to play Ocean Horn, maybe I'm better off buying the game rather than subscribing to Apple Arcade just to play only that game, right? Whereas if I'm that kind of gamer that would want to play, you know, new game or new game like every other month, I can still subscribe to Apple Arcade and continue playing, you know, all these new offerings that will be coming over to the platform, right? So, so yeah, it's a bit it's a bit interesting in that sense and it depends on the kind of gamer you are and the kind of, you know, games you play on these platforms, right? Uh, yeah, so uh, before we end the conversation, uh, yeah, perhaps maybe you can give a bit of recommendations of some games that we've already played on the platform. Uh, let me start first. Uh, Ocean Horn 2 is, is, I mean, if you want to look at the potential of an RPG, um, it's a bit Zelda-like uh, and it's available on your mobile platform. It's a full-fledged game with a lot of like controls and uh, it's worth playing uh, if you want like a full 20 odd hour experience uh, of an RPG. Rayman Mini is also pretty nice, um, but it's just that I don't like the fact that it's a, uh, you can't control the character, that the character will just run on its own. So you have to, I guess, just control the uh, movement of the character via jumping and other movements. And also Sayonara Wild Hearts, a game that's available on consoles uh, and also PC, but if I'm not mistaken, but you can also get it on Apple Arcade, you know, uh, by paying the subscription fee. Um, there's also the Pathless, uh, relatively new game, but uh, again, it's available on iPhones and iPads at a slightly cheaper price and maybe with a slight dip in performance as well. I guess uh, since Hanif covered quite a few games to balance out the recommendations, I will recommend a few games that I think is best for for casual gaming and I gauge my casual gaming games uh, by games that I would play while waiting for an order at a mama or at a restaurant. Um, and I would like to start with Sneaky Sasquatch, um, which didn't appear in many recommendations, I feel, but it was the users that actually recommended this game a lot. It's a game that's perfect if you had a long day, you know, 9 to not even 9 to 5, maybe 9 to 7 kind of working day and you're just so tired from crunching numbers and looking at Excel sheets all day and you don't like a full-on RPG game where you control four characters with magic spells and MPs to take care of. So this is is relatively straightforward but it's interactive at the same time, almost has that we kind of feel where you need to actually move the hands of the Sasquatch to grab the food from the ice coolers without uh, getting the attention of the ranger, things like that. So that's a good one. And another one I'd like to recommend is Skate City, another casual one, I feel. There's just something magical about, you know, listening to great music while skating, even though I don't really skate in real life, but I can uh, imagine. It's a game that I downloaded thinking that I would delete it after just trying out for 10 minutes, but I found myself playing it for hours and hours. It's pretty straightforward. You just control this guy and you just do different tricks in different cities. It's a bit more 2D compared to Tony Hawk. It's just a guy in a line and you uh, navigate through staircases and uh, different jumping platforms and all that. But yeah, I found the simplicity of the whole game pretty charming. Psycho Pop Tap deserves a special recommendation as well, as I mentioned before, because there are lots of songs. And it's a game that, again, I thought I would delete 
in 10 minutes time because obviously because of a low storage space but yeah there was just so many songs and it's a very tough game I'm not sure how people play those like tougher levels that are both like level 8 and all that but it's a game that I think people would always have in their phone if you're planning to be a subscriber for months to come alright um, so for myself I would recommend this game called Samurai Jack um, so if you guys are fans of Samurai Jack like myself when I was a young boy in this game the storyline itself is good the gameplay itself is great and it feels like a proper RPG that you might get on PS or on Xbox uh, but within your phone itself uh. it's better to play with controllers I believe um, but um, I played it on my iPad without any controllers and it's still as good uh, it's fluid it's nice uh, do check that out um, my second suggestion would be I think it's called Monument Plus or Monument Valley Plus I'm not too sure what's the difference between that game and Monument Valley 1 and 2 I believe it's a mishmash or rather it's a, 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 a kind of like a bundle of those two but if you haven't played Monument Valley and um, you're subscribed to Apple Arcade Man, you, you'd have your time of life. Huh? It's a very therapeutic game, is what I, put it, what I would put it. It can be a bit frustrating because it is a puzzle game. So basically the game is just you, the character, moving along the puzzle. But it's such a pretty game. I mean, it's a work of art. So that is my second recommendation. And the third one would be Outlanders. Outlanders is a strategy game where... Imagine Farmville... <laughs> Farmville and Monument Valley had a baby um, it's that it's a very strategic farm based game if you will it, it, it's more like a city planning game lah. Uh, but you don't need to wait for your crops for 5 hours for example you can just like speed it up speed your time up and it's so pretty as well uh, this is another game that I thought I'll just like download and delete within like 10 minutes um, played it next thing I know I four hours in so yeah it's a really really good game I highly recommend those three games lah. you've been tuning in to GG Well Played and I've been speaking to Ofnil Ting and Najman Maliki about Apple Arcade a video game subscription service from Apple that's accessible via most of their devices the service is 90 ringgit 90 cents a month and you can give it a try for free for a month if you'd like to listen to this episode again you can find the podcast on bfm.my our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on. Till next time, GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.